today on Ag News Daily. Now, we did see, you know, some stabilization. I mean, today was one of the calmer days that we've seen here in the last couple of days. Uh, you know, it's, it's Monday. The stock market was higher. It's Monday. The Ag News Daily Podcast, March 20th, 2023. Got some latest headlines to bring your way, and we'll take a look at the markets. Right, Melanie? We certainly will. It is another Market Monday episode. And Tanner, I got to tell you, hopefully the markets don't uh, see an upset like we've seen over in the March Madness tournament over the weekend. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever end up filling a bracket out? I did. And it's completely ruined. Yeah. It's uh, pretty sad on my side of things, too. There's only a couple of teams left to root for. And uh, after that, you might as well just go for the underdog. Yes. It's been a wild ride to watch all of the upsets going on there. That's for sure. Yeah, it just makes you wonder what's different this year than past years. Is it just uh, an overarching belief that anybody can do it? Or are we really just seeing that much talent evenly spread amongst all our college teams? Either way, it does make for some very entertaining games. That's true. That's a good way to look at it, too. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, and unfortunately for our friends up north, there's something else that's spread pretty evenly, and that is snow. There is another four to seven inches of snow expected in northern Minnesota. This is obviously going to make travel continually difficult. There's also a wind advisory that's taking place for our friends south of us down in central Kansas. From about noon to 9 p.m. tonight, they will see gusts up to 45 miles per hour. However, the positive sign, Delaney, is that these strong winds are going to bring warmer temperatures into the area, and maybe we'll get a little bit of a warm spell here for the end of March. Well, Tanner, today is officially the first day of spring. Yeah, and I wondered, I was going to look at the uh, beginning of the month's weather. Did we come in like a lion or did we come in like a lamb? I, I have no idea, honestly. Because isn't March the month that if it comes in like one, it goes out like the other? I, this is be this is beyond me at this point. I'm not sure. Wow. Well, I'll have to look that up while you get into the first headline of the day. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Well, my first headline here is that we did see official Ukraine and Russia extend their Black Sea grain deal for 60 days. And that certainly has the markets reacting a little negatively here on this Monday, first trading session of the week. We also are getting reports that we're going to see a big Brazilian crop and that we've seen some timely rains in Argentina to help with their soybean crop. So lots of weather worldwide that we're watching here, Tanner. But on the Black Sea front, um, as we know, they really Ukraine was really hoping for a 120 day extension. But on Saturday, we did see official word it was renewed for at least 60 days. So they're still holding out hope that perhaps they can convince Russia to extend that deal a further 120 days, because as of right now, if we don't see any other extensions granted, we're only going to see this deal last until about mid-May. And Russia is saying it's going to depend on the removal of some Western sanctions. So they're once again pointing fingers at other countries saying this needs to happen before we see any sort of a longer term extension for this deal. Yeah, that. uh will be another one for us to watch. Continuing, though, to focus on Russia, we saw the Chinese president arrive today in Moscow. He was greeted at the airport by a Russian military band. However, 
Vladimir Putin did not greet him at the airport. He did state in his opening address he's very glad to have received the invitation from Vladimir Putin to come back to the land as a close neighbor. He hopes his visit will be fruitful, whereas exact terminologies. President Xi will visit the Kremlin and officials as they look to make sure China's most visible show of support for its neighbor will continue to make headlines and set precedences. Presidences. Uh, they look forward to working together, hopefully adopting a new vision and blueprint to the growth of the China-Russia Comprehensive Strategic Partnership, and maybe even talk a little bit about an end to the war with Ukraine. But ultimately, they're focusing on growing steadily and cherish all results that the two nations can bring together in a journey of friendship. So we'll continue to follow headlines that come out of that, Delaney. We're also following headlines, Tanner, out of China that they have been on a corn buying spree, specifically buying U.S. corn, which is obviously much welcomed here by U.S. markets. China was largely absent in the U.S. corn market after last year's record purchases during the 2020-2021 marketing year. However, the last few weeks here, we've been seeing some rumors that China was stepping in and buying corn, and we finally saw that confirmed last week with some flash sales. Market experts are saying, and I'm sure we'll get Jeff French's take on this here in just a little while, but market experts, Tanner, are saying that China needs the corn. They've been seeing some demand pick up after reopening from COVID, and their domestic corn prices are floating right around $10.50 a bushel. In addition to that, we've also seen the U.S. corn price finally price itself back into a level that's competitive globally, below now finally Ukraine and Brazil prices, or at least running in tandem with prices we're seeing there. And that certainly has China stepping in to buy at this cheaper rate. So we'll get Jeff's Jeff French's take on that here coming up in just a moment. Yeah, that is great. I can't wait to chat with him. I did get some answers here, at least a little bit from the old Google machine, Delaney. The old proverb for weather in March is that the same goes, the weather comes in like a lion and out like a lamb. We did have some severe storms that hit the south, and that's when uh, our friends in the northeast were getting pounded with snow, but it's tied to the constellations Leo the lion arrives in the east to start March and ends the month with the constellation Aries, which is a lamb. So it was tied back to the constellations. But back to some timely headlines for today. Uh, we do see instances where uh, technology is continuing to push forward. Uh, DTN did kind of a trade show summary article this morning and pushed out there that Case IH continues to add technology to their Puma tractor lineup. They now have their AFS Connect equipped in every one of their Puma tractors from that 185 to 260 horsepower tractor frame. So small frames with big technology. Also Pegasus Robot Inc. is an exclusive XAG distributor. They're now launching the XAG P100 and Pro 2023. This ag drone is now for available in the United States, listed at just under $50,000, has a 57-inch blade wingspan, and can cover up to 70 gallons per hour in a maximum spray path of 30 feet. So some big advancements there. 
in the technology side. And then we had also reported on this headline earlier about the Parkland College in Champaign, Illinois. But DTN hit on it one more time here, stating that AGCO has announced the expansion of its technician training program. The college, again, will have 25,000 square feet in a state-of-the-art training center that will make technician training a lot easier. And they're also accompanying that by a $5 million donation to staff and provide resources for the facility so they can hopefully get agricultural technicians out of this program. This is a two-year commitment and will be sponsored by AGCO and AGCO dealerships with classes starting this fall. So some nice little tech updates there after a little astrology. All right. Well, I've got an update here on WOTUS as we saw another nail in the coffin here against the Biden administration's ruling of what WOTUS entails. A federal judge in Texas put WOTUS on hold in two states over the weekend, but denied a concentrated effort by industry groups to stop the rule nationwide. Over the weekend, Judge Jeffrey Brown ruled in favor of Texas and Idaho while denying a second lawsuit that argued the EPA and Army Corps of Engineers should wait for the upcoming Sackett v. EPA decision from the Supreme Court before implementing the new rules. So it sounds like, Tanner, just another piece here to now consider as we're still seeing ag groups in particular push really hard to roll back this WOTUS rule. Yeah, I had seen that headline as well, and it'll be interesting to continue to keep tabs on that one. However, we've got an update now coming out of California. We reported a lot about six months ago on how dry a vast majority of the Western region was, but now some California producers are praying for rain to stop and the flooding to subside. California's dairy farmers are now at the height of an evacuation alert. Producers Ryan Junio is stated in this article here that now his farm in Tulare County is under the issue of potential flooded concerns to where they may need to relocate their herd. He wouldn't have imagined nine months ago that they'd be dealing with a different water crisis. The massive floods are now wreaking havoc in the driest areas, especially Tulare County is home to more than 330,000 dairy cows. His farm which consists of two dairies located uh, in that region, has 4,200 cows. They've already evacuated one of their dairies. It sits on the Tule, it's a T-U-L-E river. They've managed to try and keep the other location dry, but they are continuing to look for other resources. Him and his neighbors are continuing to battle these floodwaters that have continued to rise. Uh, unfortunately, that is the other difference there. This is also potentially gonna affect vegetable growers as cropland is also not faring very well due to the rise of water levels coming out of the Tule River and its region. So they continue to watch that. Other facilities such as Deer Creek and water along those lines uh, will continue to see pressure. Of course, that's not great news for our friends out west to go from one extreme to the other. No, it certainly doesn't sound that way, Tanner. And I think my one of my final pieces of news here is one other piece of legislation that could hit the pipeline soon. Uh, and that is related to limits on foreign ownership of U.S. farmland. We have seen bills coming forth in states like North Dakota, Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota. They have all put forward legislation that would prohibit foreign ownership of agricultural land. Well, we finally seen some bipartisan momentum 
building in Congress to restrict China specifically named and other foreign adversaries from purchasing U.S. farmland. This also would or was caused in part, it sounds like, by some of the apprehension over Chinese spy balloons, rising land prices and growing international competition. But like I mentioned, there are quite a few folks are in favor of this from both sides of the House and Senate. And in a letter written to Secretary Vilsack on February 27th, a lot of the folks in the letter noted there were suggesting that the USDA and government have not done enough to keep foreign transactions out. They also said the department has not done a very good job of reporting altogether foreign transactions from the years of 2015 through 2018. Today, Tanner, we see an increase year over year as far as the number of acres owned by foreign investments. USDA reported that in 2021, 40 million acres of U.S. agricultural land were held by either a foreign person or a foreign entity. And this number marked an increase of about two and a half million acres compared to same period in 2020. So we are starting to see a year over year. The trend continued that more people are trying to come into the United States and snap up U.S. farmland. And sounds like Congress is saying, folks in Congress are saying enough is enough. So it's going to be a slow process, I'm sure, to see some sort of legislation like this passed. But currently, 14 states have their own state laws restricting foreign private investments in agricultural land. The question now is, will the federal government pass this as well? Yeah, that's uh, definitely something that we've reported on before. We'll continue to keep an eye on as far as the buying opportunities go. Last little short headline I have is we may get our first look at hybrid spring wheat seed in 2024. Syngenta has announced that it is going to continue to press forward on the journey to find this product. The hybrid wheat has been elusive for years. BASF announced that it was exiting the program, but Syngenta will continue to press on. So hopefully our growers in Northern Plains will have access to a spring wheat hybrid technology that may be able to help protect them from disease and help them with yield potential. That's the last piece I have for today, Delaney. Well, Tanner, I think before we hop into our market conversation here with Jeff French, let's take a look and see where markets ended for the day. May old crop corn here closed a penny and three quarters cents lower at 632 and a half. New crop corn closed down a penny and a half at 559 and three quarters. In the soybean pits here, on this Monday afternoon, mixed trade between old and new crop here today. Old crop corn closed eight and three quarter cents higher at 14.85 and a quarter, while new crop beans closed five and a half cents lower at 13.08. Hopping down here to take a look at the wheat pits today, hard red May winter wheat closed seven and a half cents lower at 8.28 and a quarter. As we take a look at the livestock complex here on this Monday afternoon, April live cattle shed 30 cents at a buck 62.02. April feeders down two pennies on the day at a buck 94.62. And April lean hawks down $2.10 today to close at 77.77. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation here with Jeff French. 
What do you search when you're in the market to buy farm equipment? For 45 years, Fastline Marketing Group has served the farming community with quality farm equipment listings for tractors, combines, hay and forage equipment, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Check out FastLine.com for availability on all your favorite makes and models of equipment. And if you're an equipment dealer, put FastLine's industry-leading social media following and marketing expertise to work for you. FastLine Marketing Group is the farmer resource and marketing partner of choice in the agriculture industry. As promised, we are joined by Jeff French, president of Ag Hedgers. And Jeff, there's certainly no shortage of topics to talk about here on this Monday afternoon. But from your perspective, over the weekend, we got a lot of news, a lot of headlines. Argentina was in the news. Brazil was in the news. And obviously Russia and Ukraine. Which of those or maybe other stories that we didn't mention there, which of those headlines really had the biggest impact as to where we traded here on this Monday afternoon? Well, all of those outside influences affect the market. But I, I truly, I think it's uh, what happened over the weekend with uh, UBS buying Credit Suisse um, and this bank run uh, that started about 10 days ago continues here. And with the uncertainty in the financial markets, uh, that has definitely spilled over into the commodity markets. Naturally, we saw it back in the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, and what we're seeing it definitely happen here. Now, we did see, you know, some stabilization. I mean, today was one of the calmer days that we've seen here in the last couple of days. Uh, you know, it's, it's Monday. The stock market was higher. Um, and But we, we also saw some of these markets rebound, and we've been on such a decline here for the last three weeks. I mean, you look at uh, the bean market, the bean really suffered pretty good here. They were down 90 cents here in the last three weeks. Now they closed higher here today. Good grain inspections uh, were the catalyst and probably just a little bit of oversold uh, concerns. But um, right now, the grains, I think today was kind of a pause and wait and see. Um, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, you had the crude oil market. Uh, trade down overnight to $64 a barrel. I mean, that's a that's a 17-month low, um, but as we speak here, it is uh, reversed, and we're actually higher. We're up above $67. So maybe after a $17 decline here in the last three weeks, that's probably enough. It seems like it's a little bit overdone to the downside, uh, but that was definitely one of the biggest contributing factors. But all in all, I mean, it's just – it's the uncertainty. Um, you know, the funds had built up a very long position in corn. Now they've liquidated that here on this 70 cent decline. Um, but they have a massively record long position in bean meal, upwards of 170,000 contracts. Uh, so that helped lead us up, but now they're kind of stuck and need to get out. And that's what's leading us down here right now. But, uh, you know, good rains were talked about down in Argentina over the weekend. You know, I, I personally, I think that's a little, a uh, little late. Um, you know, that crop is uh, whatever it's going to be has been made. I don't think the rains are going to help anything uh, on this first bean crop that's going to be harvested here pretty soon. So, uh, all in all, it was good to see some stabilization. Uh, you, you had the U.S. dollar uh, down pretty good here, which obviously would help support the grains, but. Uh, I think the, the, the grain market is kind of in a pause mode here, um, you know, and, and we're kind of at some of these 
big values here. You look at uh, the wheat, which has been the major uh, loss leader here for the last couple of months. It's hanging around right around $7 in Chicago. Uh, psychologically, we might uh, that might be a little bit of support there. Uh, you know, you look at it from where we were last May. I mean, uh, we traded up nearly $13 a bushel. So that, that uh, wheat contract has been cut in half here in the last nine months. Yes, you covered an absolute ton of outside factors that are affecting what we're looking at today. How soon do we start worrying about weather here in the Corn Belt and this spring's crop getting planted? I, you know, I, it's being talked about um, right now, but I think the market, you know, we're sitting here on March 20th. I, I think you'd probably have to get into probably after the first week of April. And if we don't show any improvement, uh, you know, you got heavy snowpack in the Dakotas. Obviously, that's going to be flowing downriver. Uh, but also you got a lot of wetness in the Delta too. So it, it's something that is on the radar. Um, but we all know when, when mother nature does turn, it, it, it can turn awfully quick. And with the size and the technology of these tractors and planters that we're using now these days, um, the American farmer, they have a window. Uh, they're going to get it in, even if it's not in ideal conditions, they can get this corn crop in a, in a, in a hurry. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that's being talked about, but it's not, uh, the market is not reacting about it right now. I, I would wait another probably two weeks, uh, 20 days, and then you'll probably see the market start reacting if nothing has changed and it doesn't look like it will change. So Jeff, today, as you mentioned there, we saw old crop beans finish pretty strong on the day. But when you look at May versus the Nove, there's over a dollar fifty premium built into this old crop contract still. Why the premium still right here in, in old crop? Is it just trying to entice farmers to get some bushels out on the market? Well, I mean, if, if there's any bushels left, I mean, you look at, you know, we're at a 200 million bushel carryout. If if it is that high, I mean, domestic crush has been excellent. Uh, the crushers are making over three dollars a barrel, three dollars a bushel on, on crushing beans. So that's not going to slow them down when they're making money. So, uh, you know, to me, it tells me, number one, possibly China could have been in here buying beans. Now, this time of year, that is not probably likely the case with Brazil uh, in the middle of one of their biggest harvests ever. Uh, or number two, just trying to entice, entice the few remaining bushels uh, in the farmer's hands. Uh, but absolutely, yes, that May, Nove, uh, July, Nove uh, bean spread was definitely in play today, big time. I mean, you had, you had May beans closing 25 cents off the lows. Now, one thing, you know, it, it, it's this market's been in this downtrend for a while, and it hasn't really broken that because today was a new low for the move down there at 1462. Uh, and then we weren't able to take out uh, Friday's high. So it is still a new lower low and a lower high. So the downtrend is still in effect. Um, but today was encouraging. Um, if if we can get above about $15 in May, I think you'll see a lot more buying. But uh, uh, May, uh, that $15 mark is probably going to be a little bit of resistance in that old crop beans. So as we also are uh, planning for what maybe types of crops, if we have some undecided acres or looking at us too, we've got to think about the fertilizer market. Even though we've reported here uh, survey results saying a majority of inputs are already purchased, what's that been looking like lately? Have we been seeing a little bit of easing going on cost savings? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you see the energy markets uh, take out uh, their yearly lows and make, you know, year and a half lows here today, uh, absolutely. The trend has been down. Uh, but yeah, you said exactly. I mean, the problem is most of the fertilizer has been booked um, because uh, of the environment during the fall. We didn't know if we'd have anything available come spring. So uh, that was just adding fuel onto the fire. And, and we've all seen how that goes. But uh, yeah, fertilizer prices have definitely come down. Um, now, the cost of inputs on what uh, gets planted, I don't think will much will dictate that much here uh, in the Corn Belt. Uh, I think the biggest indicator of, of planting will be the weather. And uh, but I, I think if, if the the farmer can get the corn in the ground, um, especially if they got a little bit of sold here earlier when it was above six dollars a bushel for new crop corn, uh, I think they'll do everything they do can to uh, uh, get the corn acres in the ground. And we are expecting I mean, last year was a heavier bean uh, acres. Um, we had more acres of beans and just following normal rotation, we are expecting uh, more corn acres. So. We'll be able to see, but uh, you look at in the Northern Plains and the snowpack, I mean, there, there's one to two, two and a half million bushels of corn that uh, could be really iffy. So again, uh, here in the next month, uh, that could definitely come into play. Jeff, we just reported on earlier today that China has been definitely on a little bit of a buying spree, it seems like from the corn side of things. How much uh, demand do you expect to continue to see here? Well, yes, that was very good. I mean, they they bought uh, just under 80 million bushels of corn. Uh, It it was some of the biggest purchases that we've seen in over or just under a year since April of uh, 22. So um, will it continue? You know, it probably does here a little bit. Now, we we have direct competition um, with the Brazilian crop, uh, the Safrina crop, but that's still probably not going to be coming on board until July. So we might have a little bit of a window here uh, on the old crop corn to get a little bit more export. And we are still pretty cheap. I mean, we're number one, we're, we're about the only game in town in the world right now that with uh, old crop corn supplies that can be booked immediately. So that's number one. Uh, but also on that decline, uh, we've become uh, cheap and very competitive against our competition on the corn exports. So uh, it wouldn't be surprised me if it continues. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I think if, if China can get products elsewhere, uh, they would take their business elsewhere. Uh, but right now, uh, we got a little bit of a window that we could see some continued business. So as we step out of the grains and over into the livestock sector, uh, we saw some mixed trade, at least quite a bit of movement from open to close today on the cattle side of things. What was driving a lot of that? I, I just I, I don't like this action one bit uh, in this cattle. I mean, we get the bullish cattle on feed report Friday. Uh, we're at six year low numbers for on feed. I mean, this this is just not going to change anytime soon. And it's just a bad timing for the cattle market because we were setting up to have a real good bull run here probably for the next 18 to 24 months. Um, but it's just the timing of the global and in the domestic economy and when, when you see uh you know the financials melting down like we did here the last week uh the cattle will be uh, definitely affected by a sharply lower stock market and that's what we saw here so uh you know when, when a market when a bull market quits responding to bullish news 
uh, you know, you really need to take notice. And that's what we saw today. We, we opened higher, we gapped higher, which you would have thought after that report Friday. Uh, but we all closed in the red here, uh, giving up all the early gains, closing, uh, you know, down 50, 60, 90 lower, depending on what contract you're looking at. So uh, I, I look at this cattle market. It needs to show some life real quick here this week or uh, you need to get all your protection on paper because, uh, again, I don't like a market when it quits responding to bullish factors. Jeff, for those farmers that are maybe looking to lock in some protection now on the cattle side of things, what are you recommending to growers? So we, we, I, I was on the phone all day today. I mean, just, we just didn't hold the strength and, uh, just making sure anybody with unpriced fat cattle or unpriced calves that let's get them locked in, put all the risk on here for the next 60 days. I mean, who knows? I know it's, it is a bull market, but we do not know what the economy and the stock market is going to do here for the next 60 days. So uh, we were buying the June 155, 147 put spread. Uh, that was going to cost you about a dollar fifty to a dollar seventy a hundred. Um, so it locks a window, eight dollar window to the downside. Uh, obviously, it costs you know six hundred to seven hundred dollars for every forty thousand pounds, but. Uh, that way, if we go below 155, this position will start adding value. I mean, you don't want it to pay off, but that's why you hedge is if prices move lower, uh, you can gain a little value on paper. So that's what we were doing here in the cattle. Um, you know, again, hopefully it doesn't pay off, but uh, we'll just have to see that today's action was not very good. So, Jeff, a lot of things going on in the markets across all commodities. What, if our listeners want to dive in a little bit deeper with you, is the best way for them to follow you or get in touch? Yeah, you can uh, you can hit me uh, on the website at uh, aghedgers.com, uh, or you can call me anytime here at 312-217-0122. Awesome. This has been a pleasure. We appreciate the insights you shared with our listeners today. Hey guys, anytime. It's been great. It's always a pleasure, Delaney, to kick off the week on the right foot. Even though if the news isn't great, we at least can still get our listeners the most accurate and latest information. Absolutely, Tanner. Certainly a lot of headlines to watch this week. So folks, stay tuned with us here on Ag News Daily at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or along on the podcast so you don't miss any headlines this week. But Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.